Hello, welcome. This is James. Uh, welcome to our podcast. It's called Live It Out with James Paul White. And this is week number seven. I promise we're going to get through the rest of the chapter. Uh, we will do John chapter 15 next week. Um, I really only have two main points. I mean, there's some other commentary I can add, but I really only have two main points. And... Um, this may not even take the whole 30 minutes to get to. So, of course, when I started my podcast, somebody okay texted me, which is fine. It's my uh, wonderful fiancé. I'll text her back when I'm done. Um, so we're going to read this whole passage uh, here. And basically, I'm going to split this up. Uh, verses 19 through 24. And then verses 25 to 31. We're in John chapter 14. And let's begin. Verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father, Father's who sent me. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, Let neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I no longer talk much with you, for the rule of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Alright. So, the first section, I want to talk about I mainly want to focus on verse 23. Because a lot of times people are like, well, I'm under grace. and Grace is not a license to do whatever you want. It's, it's not. Uh, grace is... Um, we are... Um, given an opportunity to have a relationship with God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. 
And it comes from recognizing that we don't have it all together. And we do make mistakes. And we are imperfect. See, this is what separates us. It's what separates us uh, as Christians from other religions. You know, and I've even had, as a prison chaplain, I had Muslim inmates come to me and they were so frustrated. They're like, well, I feel like I don't ever pray enough or I don't read enough or I don't do enough. And in fact, the law was given so that people would understand that they have a need. But I want to go back to verse 23 and then I'll, I'll kind of expound on it a little. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You know, it's it's a lot like if you're in a relationship. If you're in a romantic relationship and you love somebody, you spend time with them. If you're in a romantic relationship with with someone, you do things for them. You know, I recently bought tickets to go to a Garth Brooks concert. Now, yeah, of course, I'm going to get something out of it myself. I mean, I, I like country music. But he's my fiance's favorite singer. So, I definitely got some points from uh, the missus on that one. So why would, why would I do that? Why would I want to take an evening and go to a concert with her? Because I love her and I want to spend time with her. You know, it's, it's not about trying to earn your way into heaven. Now... In First John, it talks about how can you claim to love somebody whom you can't see and yet hate your brother whom you can see. So, it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. See, this is the this is the part that, like, if you don't truly understand the Old Testament, it's going to be hard for you to understand the New. When Moses was given the law, they made a basically a portable sanctuary. They had tents, and then where the the Ark of the Covenant was kept, and they had curtains that went around, they had a curtain that went around the Holy of Holies, the most holy area, and they had a, a larger curtain that went around the temple area or the area of 
you know, where this was this was an area that was set aside for the priests. The two stone tablets that can that had the Ten Commandments on it were put inside the ark. And uh, in fact, it was one guy, I believe his name was Uzziah. But when the, uh, excuse me, when the Philistines had somehow captured the ark, you know, they they were under a curse and they received they had some bad stuff happen to them and they finally just put it on a essentially a trailer, hooked it up to these two oxen and sent the oxen away and the oxen took the ark straight back to the people of Israel. But David wanted to move the ark to Jerusalem. I, I forgot where it is. Um, but essentially, Uzziah reaches up to steady the ark and keep it from falling. But he was not holding one of the poles. And he touches the ark. He immediately dies. I mean, that's how serious this was. Now think about it. Today, you, as a child of God, are a vessel to be used to glorify God. And inside of you is the Holy Spirit. See, obedience to God is more than just... I'm following the rules because I have to follow the rules. I'm I'm now a t- child of God, so I got to do it. I got to do things God's way. You do, but it goes much deeper than that. Here is your opportunity to serve God, and by living a life. Of service to God. He said. At the end of this verse. We will come to him. And make our home with him. Think about that. That's intense. The creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and wants to empower you and use you to accomplish his will here on the earth. Now, I've been trying to be more intentional talking about self-esteem. It's something that I used to struggle with a lot. But this is the this is this is one of the things that really turned it around for me. Was that God Himself 
wants to use me to accomplish his will on the earth. And according to John 14, 23, he wants to come and make his home with me. Wow. I think that's amazing. So, don't think of following the rules. It's like, oh, I've got to earn my way into heaven. No. We do the right thing because we love God. It's... um. goes deeper than the concept I shared a couple weeks ago about the commander's intent. When I was in the army, uh, I was encouraged by my commander in Iraq to read General Petraeus's doctrine about sustainment operations. Because the truth of the matter is we didn't understand why we were there. We just didn't get it. And once I read General Petraeus's document that he wrote, I was like, oh, okay. Keep the peace. Help them rebuild. So they can... So they can move on with their lives. Now, our commander, who is Jesus, who is King of King and Kings and Lord of Lords, also has a con- his his intent is very simple: to raise up a people that will honor and glorify God. And we're supposed to do that until either we die or he comes again. It's that simple. So what I'm trying to get at is, I guess you could break it up into two different points. One, don't obey God just to check off a list. Do it because you want to, in every way, in every aspect of your life, you want to glorify God. And number two, the fact that God wants to use you to accomplish His will here on the earth should tell you how important you are in the sight of God. Now, second part is... That we're, that we're going to cover today is from verse 25. Oh, <sighs> wait, verse 31. I don't know why I'm so tired. Let me get some coffee. I bought some of that Javi stuff. It's concentrated coffee. It's decent. It's pretty good. I, I like the fact that it's pretty, it's pretty quick. All right. 
Now, the, the second part I want to focus on here is about the fact that the Holy Spirit is sent to help us and equip us to live the Christian life. You're not meant to try to live this out on your own. You're not. And and I kind of want to, I don't want to vent, but I just want to really get some stuff off my chest that I've been feeling for a long time. Um, I went to a pretty liberal school. And I, there's a lot of things I was taught that I don't agree with anymore. And uh, one of which the was a, a thinking of a, a, an idea that um, the the concept that um, a lot of people, especially in twenty first century seminaries, is a concept called deconstruction. And what people want to do, or more specifically, demythologize the scriptures. And the funny thing is, is that the guy that was my advisor was a graduate assistant under Rudolf Boltmann. And Boltmann was really big into demythologizing the scriptures. He wanted to cut away from the myth and the stuff that didn't really happen in their minds and focus on what did Jesus really teach. Because in their minds, there's no way that Jesus could have walked on water or uh, fed 5,000 people with just a couple loaves and a few fish and And the more you start to do that, the more just, I think it's arrogant to assume that you know that something written in the Bible didn't literally happen. Now, if I get to heaven and I find out that Jesus blessed the food and he broke the bread and he passed it out and somehow that inspired people to be more generous... And then people within the crowd starting share, started to share with one another. When he cut the fish up, and they they cooked it, and then they passed it around. I don't even know if they cooked it or not. Um, that other people in the crowd started to pull out fish and started to share amongst themselves. If that's what happened, then praise God, it was a miracle. I have no problem with that. If Jesus put the stuff in the basket and lifted it up and it miraculously multiplied, which is the the impression I get by reading the passage, the Bible passage, when he fed the 5,000, then that's what we need to acknowledge. One of the things I have a problem with, a huge problem with, is 
some liberal scholars will say that there's no way in the world they could have remembered all those details that, you know, I mean, they wrote the Bible down, they wrote down the Gospels 30, 40, 50, 60 years after Jesus died. There's no way in the world they could have remembered all of that. And yet this passage is pretty clear. It's, it's really clear as far as what happened. It says that God gives us the Holy Spirit. It says right there, Whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. It's in verse 26. And yet there will be people that will try to somehow talk their way out of it and say, oh, well, that doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. It means something else. No, it was the Holy Spirit that inspired John Mark, who, yes, he was heavily influenced by Peter, but ultimately the Holy Spirit used Mark to write the Gospel of Mark. The Holy Spirit used Matthew to write the Gospel of Matthew. The Holy Spirit used Luke, who was a doctor. He was a friend of Paul's to write the Gospel of Luke. There he was as an old man on the island of Patmos. He'd been exiled. Or maybe, I've got a feeling he wrote the Gospel of John before he got exiled. But the Apostle John. And four different Gospels written to four different types of people for the purpose of proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And according to the end of John chapter 20, it was written so that we would know that he is the, the, the Christ and that through him we, will have, we might have life. And it's so frustrating to me that people want to somehow demythologize the scriptures. It really is. Now, I want to reiterate something that I had talked about in the video. Because, you know, not every day is a great day. Sometimes we have bad days. But Jesus promised us that we can have peace. Um, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
as I shared in the video, in order to have peace, you have to look at what it says in Philippians 4. Now, verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But you have to do what it says in verse 6 to get there. What does verse 6 say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you have a need, you take it to God in prayer. I did promise on Monday I would cover supplication. To, to find supplication means to... It is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So, it's not just a, okay, God, will you please give me this? There's a determination behind it. There's a, an intensity there. Now, I personally believe that sometimes God will wait and see how serious we really are before answering a prayer. I, I really do believe that. And the funny thing is, is that God is not in a hurry. Although I often am. So, yeah, I, I'd love to see the YouTube channel grow. Uh, I'm very grateful for those that are followers. I'm grateful for people that follow me on TikTok. I've been very intentional about trying to be uh, organized and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really tired. Here's the bottom line. We can have peace through the tough times, but you got to reach up and depend upon God. You really do. You can't do this Christian life on your own. And I, I feel bad for those that try, because I mean, God will let you try and fail again and again and again until eventually you get it. So... Anyway, that's chapter 14, and I do want to point out something interesting, and I learned this by listening to Robert Morris at Gateway Church in Dallas. If you notice at the end of verse 31, and it, the title of the series is a little bit deceptive because I agree with Robert Morris on this point. Jesus says, Arise, let us go from here. 
And at the beginning of John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I wholeheartedly agree with Robert Morris and the commentators that he read and I need to invest in some commentators, commentaries. That Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's using a tree as an example. So he's got this visual. He's talking about he's the vine, they're the branches. They're looking at a tree when he's talking to them. So even though many scholars refer to John 13 through 16 as the upper room discourse, yeah, he started in the upper room, but the last two chapters are taught in the garden. So that's where we will start next week. Um, please keep this ministry in your prayers. Um, things are not growing as quickly as I'd like them to be. And I, I'm grateful for the faithful few that do listen. Um, if you have ideas, suggestions, I want to do this Sermon on the Mount next, but it, we still have two more chapters of this t to cover. If you have ideas, just shoot me an email, jamespaulwhite47 at gmail.com. So, thank you so much for listening. I will admit, I probably didn't get a great night's sleep last night, so I'm going to take a nap. And then I got some clothes to do. And uh, until next week, have a great... I do hope you have a great week. Love you guys, especially my subscribers. And I'll see you next time.